Hello, everybody. Welcome to Green Knight. Let's look at this through the lens of Krishnamurti, which we will find is no lens at all, no distortion. I have been proposing the creation of something new, which is organization without leadership. I started this podcast with an inkling of what must be done, but realized that nothing new can be created. No new organization collectively can be created without each of us making the psychological transformation. If you have listened to the podcast, which I recommend doing in order, you have been witness to the evolution of my thinking. Despite having an understanding of the nature of change and having done much accumulation of knowledge, the key to change is abandonment of the past. This is most true for each of us individually. For when we each do this for ourselves, we can collectively create a new way of organizing. For me, this podcast has permitted me the inroads into my own trauma, and I've been able to peel back my fingertips from clinging to what I thought I was, my sense of myself. This podcast is not normal in that there is not content creation on a regular basis. From the start, I knew there would be an end to it. It has been a journey and in doing it, I've delivered the message that I was trying to get out of me all these long years to myself. I have delivered the message to myself. In making it public, I have also shed light for those of you who have followed me. It isn't a hope, it is. When you comprehend it, it's all there is. Hope is the other side of the coin of despair. And having become aware, I now know that those two things require each other for their definitions. They are a polar relationship, which have, which we have discovered in this podcast is subject to rhythm and will exchange places indefinitely. An understanding of what is, what has transpired, what our human society is, it is difficult to not want in the most profound way to bring about what should be. I finally realized that I myself did not even get what I had been saying, which is a testament to the message coming through me and not from me. The only way things can change is to surrender. This is the message delivered in the myth of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is the reason I named the podcast Green Knight. Surrender does not mean to stop living, but to stop attempting to preserve who you think you are. I made this discovery through the comprehension, comprehension of the seven principles of Hermeticism, but I continued to hope that my suffering would be at an end and I would be invited or tapped in some way, which was an error, a continuation of the illusion on my part. It is fitting that we use the words of Krishnamurti to finalize this, the message in this podcast, because his particular way of putting it makes it impossible to write off as another opinion. Comprehension means that seeking is at an end. So what is the illusion? I will review what we have gone over in the podcast so we can bookend this whole thing. I will continue, it will continue to be available 
to all those who come across it as a torch in the darkness. That's the message. I'm not saying I won't continue to record. I might not. I might. First, in this podcast, we discussed uh, general semantics. Knowledge is only a tendency, not a conclusion. Absolute knowledge cannot be attained. To conclude is to cloud the possibility of new discovery. We can only approach complete understanding, not arrive there. To make conclusions is a dependency on validation. To be right, an attempt at securing a position. Any position is defined by its opposite, bound in polarity and subject to the principle of rhythm. A position is only held by defense from its opposite, and so is defined by its opposite, which is a contradiction. The foundation of general semantics is simply that the word is not the thing. The word brings about a response that is based upon thought. All thought is the result of conditioning. The thing itself is independent of any thought, any de definition or declaration made by the mind. The thing, such as a rose, simply is, regardless of what response it brings about in the mind. The territory, the world, the universe, is not what we have approximated it to be. It is not the map we have made of it. A map is just a model, simulation built with accumulated knowledge, and knowledge itself is a model. The territory is not the model we have built to represent it. We are part of the territory. We have a relationship to it. Our conception of that relationship is also a model and is not the actual thing. The model we have built of ourselves is society. This is not our true selves. The map we have built of ourselves is not what we are in actuality. To become more, we cannot take up a position. We cannot make conclusions. We cannot make definitive judgments. All this is based upon our conditioning, the model we have made of ourselves. This model persists as the conflict between polarities. The understanding of polarity is comprehension of the cyclic pattern we, we exhibit as a collective and have exhibited for many thousands of years. The continuation of the pattern requires conflict to continue and will cycle rhythmically in a perpetual repetition of the same pattern. The definition of good requires its opposite to exist. The continuation of the cycle is driven by both polarities. Both polarities are responsible for the advancement of the cycle to full revolution, which is to begin again. Groundhog Day. The urgency of breaking this pattern is that it has a limit. To break the pattern is to understand it, to comprehend what drives it, and abandon that. To comprehend our relationship with what is, is to become aware of our response to it. Our response to it is what drives the pattern. Our response is based on the model we have built, our accumulated knowledge, our conditioning. This is the illusion. Who we think we are is just a map. It's not the actual. Negation of our condition is what we each must do in order for a new way of being to come into existence. 
Negation is the most positive action. From Krishnamurti. Quote, So you see that the rose and all the universe and all the people in it, the stars, the seas, the mountains, the microbes, the atoms, the neutrons, this room, the door, really are there. Now the next step, what you think about these things or what you feel about them is your psychological response to them. And this is what we call thought or emotion. The door is there, but the description of the door is not the door. And when you get emotionally involved in the description, you don't see the door. The description is never the described. Never confuse the word with the thing it describes. When there is visual awareness of the tree or the rose, without any psychological involvement, there is no division in our relationship to the thing. When there is a psychological response to the thing, the tree or the rose or door or anything in the world, the response is a conditioned response. It is the response of memory, past experiences. And so the response is a division in relationship. The response is the birth of what we shall call the me in relationship and the non-me, unquote. With regard to the observer effect, which we have discussed, this is very important to understand. The observer effect contains within it the uncertainty principle, which is when you make the most precise measurement at the finest scale, you also invite infinite uncertainty. When you measure the position of an electron, its momentum is infinitely uncertain. When you measure its momentum, which is its speed, basically, because momentum is mass times velocity. When you measure its momentum, its position is infinitely uncertain. <clears throat> this measurement is the collapse of the wave function, which is the equation that is used to calculate the quantum relationship of a particle within the field created by the nucleus of an atom. Before measuring, this system is incoherent. It is in a superposition of states, both a wave and a particle. This is called quantum superposition. Measurement collapses the system into a coherent state, but also reveals that the entirety of the system is not knowable. I was discussing this in the podcast with, with reference to the effect of consciousness on the world. In light of Krishnamurti's dialogue, it becomes very apparent that measurement or evaluation of things divides the world into a stark contrast between the known and the unknowable. And so awareness of the world without evaluation, without the separation of the me from it does not collapse the wave function. It does not per permit partial awareness. It is non-coherence. A quantum computer only works when the qubits, the quantum bits, the, these as opposed to regular bits of a mundane computer. It only works when the qubits are in a state of non-coherence. This is an unmeasured state in a state of superposition. Coherence of quantum systems is caused by measurement. The power of the quantum computer is derived from non-coherence. The human perception apparatus is no different. We hamstring ourselves in the most extreme way when we divide ourselves from the whole, when we cohere, 
when we evaluate from a position of the me, from a center. The state of non-coherence is what can be called being in the zone or in flow state, and similar being in a meditative state, a state in which the awareness of self is absent. As we know, these are the times when we are most effective. But it isn't special. It is our natural state. It does not have to be a fleeting experience, one in which it requires years of practice and meditation or to take a psychoactive drug to achieve. That is dependency. That is a process that requires time and measurement of difficulty, which is coherence. It is at our fingertips at every moment. It does not require a process, a long, arduous path. It requires only to be disciplined of the mind. When you begin to cohere, when you begin to measure, evaluate, to make conclusions, remind yourself to observe without a position, without a center. This is being on the fulcrum. This is the middle way. This is a causal intent. This is ever-present origin. I was speaking about quantum mechanics also in reference to the first principle of hermeticism, which is the principle of mentalism. That all of everything is mind, is aware. In light of what I was just saying, this becomes more accessible, right? If we divide ourselves from the universe by falling into a state of coherence, by collapsing our own wave function, half of everything becomes infinitely uncertain. If, on the other hand, we, we remain on the fulcrum, in the middle of polarities, we have a causal intent. Our action is without consideration of self. Then what we do is from the mind of all that is. It is, was, and will be. It is ever-present origin, straight from the mind of God, or whatever you want to name it. Consciousness does not create reality. It is reality. It is all. When we are operating from a center that we think of as the me, we become very certain of the necessity to preserve that self and, and thereby create the danger the self would protect itself from. Right? Krishnamurti on Is There a God? Quote from the book the urgency of change. So in this book, um, the questions that Krishnamurti got throughout his life are kind of compiled and uh, in a way that makes it seem like he is being visited by someone who wants to learn from him. And this is the questioner in these dialogues in this book. Quote, questioner, is there a God? I've asked this question to many saints, both in India and in the West, and they've all emphasized belief. Believe, and then you will know. Without belief, you can never know. What do you think? Krishnamurti, is belief necessary to find out? To learn is far more important than to know. Learning is Learning about belief is the end of belief. When the mind is free of belief, then it can look. It is belief or disbelief that binds, for disbelief and belief are the same thing. 
They are opposite sides of the same coin. The believer and the non-believer are the same. When this actually takes place, then the question, is there a God, has quite a different meaning. The word God, with all its tradition, its memory, its intellectual and sentimental connotations, all of this is not God. The word is not the real. So can the mind be free of the word? Questioner. You're asking me to strip myself of the word. How can I do that? The word is the past. It is memory. The wife is the word and the house is the word. In the beginning, there was the word. Also, the word is the means of communication, identification. Your name is not you. And yet without your name, I cannot ask about you. Are you asking me if the mind can be free of the word? That is, can the mind be free of its own activity? Krishnamurti. In the case of the tree, the object is before our eyes, and the word refers to the tree by universal agreement. Now with the word God, there is nothing to which it refers, so each man can create his own image of that for which there is no reference. The theologian does it in one way, the intellectual in another, and the believer and the non-believer in their own different ways. Hope generates this belief and then seeking. The hope is the outcome of despair, the despair of all we see around us in the world. From despair, hope is born. They also are two sides of the same coin. When there is no hope, there is hell. And this fear of hell gives us the vitality of hope. And so the illusion begins. So the word has led us to illusion and not to God at all. God is the illusion which we worship, and the non-believer creates the illusion of another God which he worships, the state, or some utopia, or some book which he thinks contains all truth. So we are here asking you whether you can be free of the word with its illusion. If there is no illusion, what is left? Question. Only what is. The what is, is the most holy. If the what is, is the most holy, this is the questioner, then war is the most holy, and hatred, disorder, pain, avarice, and plunder, then we must not speak of any change at all. If what is, is sacred, then every murderer and plunderer and exploiter can say, don't touch me. What I am doing is sacred. Krishnamurti. The very simplicity of that statement, what is, is the most sacred, leads to great misunderstanding because we don't see the truth of it. If you see that what is, is sacred, you do not murder, you do not make war, you do not hate, you do not exploit. Having done these things, you cannot claim immunity from a truth which you have violated. The white man who says to the black rioter, what is, is sacred, do not interfere, do not burn has not seen, for if he had, the black man would be sacred to him, and there would be no need to burn. So if each of us sees this truth, there must be change. This seeing of the truth is change. You came to ask if there is a God. We said that the word leads to illusion, which we worship. For this illusion, we destroy each other willingly. When there is no illusion, the what is is the most sacred. Let's look at what actually is. 
At a given moment, the what is may be fear or utter despair or fleeting joy. These things are constantly changing. The observer says, these things all change around me, but I remain permanent. Is that a fact? Is that what really is? Is he not also changing, adding to and taking away from himself, modifying, adjusting himself, becoming or not becoming? So both the observer and the observed are constantly changing. What is, is change. That is a fact. That is what is. It is only when there is not illusion that what is, is the most sacred. When there is no illusion, what is, is God or any other name you want to use. So God, or whatever name you give it, is when you are not. When you are, it is not. When you are not, love is. When you are, love is not. Unquote. So we see here what when we strive to preserve who we think we are, when we protect our sense of self, we become our thoughts. When we are our thoughts, we are the word, the map, the model assembled from the many measurements of our conditioning. We become not the thing, but a tiny sliver of the thing. We then, having measured ourselves, are very certain of our position but our trajectory is unknown. And if we then measure the vector of our motion, where we would go, we cannot find where we are. In this way, we cycle between these two measurements. Finding ourselves moving very fast, we continu continually measure our position, our sense of self, and lose sight of where we are going. In actuality, the whole system, the world, the universe, society, everything is thus moving together. When we surrender to what we think we are, our sense of self, we become aware of the whole. When we negate our sense of division, separateness, we are able to see clearly. When we let the idea of ourselves die, we are then able to live in accordance with the laws of nature. Nature is without thought of what should be. What can be is not a measurement. It is immeasurable. The illusion is that you are apart from what is. When we operate from illusion, we are operating outside of what is. What is is the most sacred. It simply is, not what we think it should be. What can be can only come into being in society as a collective when we stop striving for what we think it should be. This is what we discovered in the analysis of the myth of the Green Knight. Gwen is operating from the knightly code, the five virtues of man, a set of conditions handed down. In his interaction with the Green Knight, we, which we know symbolizes nature, the code of chivalry breaks down under contradiction. <clears throat> the conditions the conditions by which he has set himself to live cannot be upheld. To maintain one aspect of the code is to break another. When he finally surrenders and does not flinch in the face of real death, he is set free. He is set free and is able to live rightly. 
which is virtue without thought of its reception by others. The myth of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is the Western version of the Tao and the principle of Wu Wei. Inferior and superior virtue. Inferior virtue is pursued with thought of how it will be received by others and so subject to contradiction and impossible to maintain. Right? This is polarity because on the one hand you have virtue but it is only defined by i mean we can say virtue is good and anti good or evil right is the opposite of that so we will end up with contradiction because being good is only a response to its opposite and it cycles uh, so it is subject to the principle of rhythm right inferior virtue is pursued with the thought of its reception and so subject to contradiction impossible to maintain this is what we saw happen to the five virtues of man in the story of sir Gawain and the green knight now Superior virtue is simply being good without consideration of its reception by others. Right? Superior virtue gives no thought to being virtuous and so therefore is virtuous. And this, right? Back to the observer effect. It is as if the universe has built in a failsafe by which conscious division is isolated and contained so that it may not grow. Right? This is the wheel of karma that we are in on Earth. It is contained on Earth. Right? And until we all make that psychological transformation, it will be so. And it has a limit. So, and the limit is, as I was explaining before, self-termination or stasis. What is, is change. And to attempt to preserve and maintain a center, right, a sense of self results in this revolution, this wheel. Where through much toil and conflict and destruction, we arrive back where we started always, Groundhog Day. To surrender is to drop the veil of the illusion of duality. Walter Russell, with his insistence on remaining upon the fulcrum, was suggesting this as a way of avoiding the rhythmic swing of the pendulum, the cyclic return. This is the discipline of whole perception, of non-duality, not succumbing to polarity, and thereby causing the effect of the inevitable rhythmic cycle from one polarity to its opposite. If one can do this to remain on the fulcrum, then this is a causal intent, intention without the presupposition of its cause, and so does not have the effect of rhythm. The principles of Hermeticism, particularly the principle of cause and effect, teaches not about how for 
every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. This is just classical mechanics. That's a misdirection of this principle. It teaches us that the effect of causal intent, intent from a center, the presupposition of an outcome due to an action is polarization. That is polarization. The effect is polarization. And with polarization, the outcome is always an interchange of polarity, always a cycle, always a rhythm. That's the principle of rhythm. It's just properties of waves. The seven principles are, teaches us how to break away from the illusion. The principles of Hermeticism particularly, right? The principle of cause and effect teaches us that the effect of causal intent, intent from a center, the, presuppos the presupposition of an outcome due to an action from a position of the me is polarization. The effect is polarization. And with polarization, the outcome is always the principle of rhythm. Always a cycle. Always the wheel. Always illusion. Always duality. To remain on the fulcrum brings about, brings about ever-present origin, which is the Tao, which is the principle of Wu Wei which is action without center, without condition, which is how something new comes into this world as if it has always been. By this, we comprehend what is truly valuable. By this, we can see that value is not something that is scarce, something of limited supply, something of which there is not enough to go around. By this, we comprehend that value is not limited not divided between the haves and have-nots. True value has no limit, no boundary, no division, no separation, no before, no after, no cause, no effect. It is non-dual. It exists outside polarity. It is the universal one. All that is, it is love. Krishnamurti explains this as a transformation to a mind that is intelligent right? Being on the fulcrum, a mind that is intelligent, that is whole in its perception without conditioning, right? Without a partial perception that is caused by measurement, caused by who we think we are, by division, a mind that is free from tradition, not adherent to an established pattern or doctrine, a mind that does not conclude, does not evaluate, does not compare, does not make judgment, does not measure, 
is a mind that is truly aware and can perceive without distortion, without any lens or model or map or word. This is a mind that is free to see. Ever-present origin means that the cause is love and the effect is love. We do not abandon our collected technical knowledge, right? From this, we comprehend that technology is only what it seems at the moment, but what it can be is unlimited, right? We don't have to abandon our accumulated knowledge. We only have to not make conclusions about it so that we could actually get to a place, right? Where what can be, can come into being without being clouded by what we think should be. Right, this message is not an opinion, right? That is what is really important to get from this, right? It's not just another uh, way of seeing the world. It is the way. It's not lip service to an ideal. It relinquishes any attachment to an ideal and so makes possible a closer approach to the immeasurable capacity of what is, what can be, the immeasurable capacity of what is. It cannot be an opinion if what it says is that thought is the cause of polarity, right? It's saying that opinions are the cause of polarity. It's not an opinion. It cannot be an opinion if it's saying that thought is the cause of polarity, the rhythm, the repeating cycle. It is suggesting the cessation of thought for total awareness and so cannot be a position that causes the effect of polarity. The urgency of this, transform this psychological transformation is that the cycle we have been operating within has a limit. To transcend this ending, we must negate the conditions by which it comes about. This is not a measurement a statement of what should be, because our nature already exists. It is not an eventuality. It is ever-present. The delivery of the message requires words, right? But the application of it does not. It is simple, and simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It does not require anything but a flipping of the switch at the most basic level. This is what I was referring to as the root cause. We just remove the cause of the effect, which is preservation of the psychological sense of self. My own despondency was in the absolutely disgusting turn of events in the world, the doubling down on division that is occurring. Anything that divides us compounds and perpetuates the problem. I could see, but could not see due to my own evaluation and measurement of the collective. Right, just looking around, I was 
depressed. I internalize the conflict between what is and what should be, which is its own illusion. I have surrendered. I have surrendered. What should be can never be, could never be because it's already ever present. Krishnamurti's message is simple and it includes everything. It requires words to convey, but words are irrelevant in its application. Everything he said says coincides with hermetic principles, with general semantics, with the green knight, with the Tao. He began his teachings as a young man and was enthusiastic. As an old man, he became dismayed at the lack of comprehension. Psychological transformation is the waking up from Groundhog Day. Hope and despair are polarities that cycle between each other. Good and evil are the same, the perpetuation of the illusion. Love has no polarity. No illusion means all that is, is most holy. What is, is sacred. There is nothing to preserve. There is nothing to make right. There is no response necessary but love. When you are, love is not. When you are not, love is. Stay tuned, y'all. <laughs>